Um, well, good evening. I'm so excited to get to talk to you guys. We are continuing um, the Minor Prophet series, and I get to talk to you about a book of the Bible that I'm nervous to talk to you about purely because I have heard like 10 different ways you should say this book. And I feel like everyone believes that's the right way to say it. So I'm going to stick with Habakkuk. But if you have heard something different of how to actually say it, just don't tell me. Just let me continue on with Habakkuk, okay? Sounds good? Um, okay, so before we start, like Evan said, I'm the director of kids' ministry here. Um, I'm married to the boy in the corner over there raising his hand. Yes, Josh. Um, and we have a two-year-old son whose name is Crosby James. And um, I made that cake, which is impressive because I can barely draw a straight line. So this was my crowning achievement. Um, and Crosby is awesome. He has fully embraced being two, which means it's similar to living with like a middle school girl. And I can say that because I was a middle school girl, but it's like more emotions in one hour than I've experienced in my whole life. I'm like, buddy, wow, there's no, there is a reason why God does not have us remember two because it would be traumatic for all of us if we could remember when we were two. So um, let's dive in. Um, so diving into the book of Habakkuk. So um, one of the interesting things about this book compared to some of the other minor prophets is a lot of the other prophets hear a, a word from the Lord. The Lord wants to tell the people of Israel something. And so they, he uses a prophet to go out and tell them. And it's usually not encouraging. It's more a message of what are you doing? You guys are messing up a lot. You need to return to the Lord. And so that tends to be the pattern of a lot of the prophets. But in this book specifically, you get to watch a conversation and an interaction that Habakkuk has with God. And so it's broken up into a lot of different parts. You see him speaking to God, God replying, him speaking again, God's final answer, and then what he is going to do in response to what the Lord has said. So I want to focus tonight more on the way that Habakkuk interacts and acts with the Lord to help and guide us when we are in relationship and communication with the Lord. Because I think in relationship with God, in relationship with people, in any part of our lives, the most important part is going to be communication. And most times when relationships are struggling, when marriages are struggling, it tends to be because you aren't communicating well together. And that's either you're letting your expectations run wild and you haven't spoken them out, or you just aren't sharing with each other what you're truly feeling. And that is true with our relationship with the Lord as well. If we don't have healthy communication with God, our relationship is going to struggle. So we want to look at this and help this guide us as we have healthy communication in relationship with God. So we're going to jump into the first part of the chapter one. So verses two through four, and a little bit of background about what's going on in the time of Habakkuk. So he was a prophet during the fall of Nineveh, 
which is the capital of Assyria. So Assyria was the world power at the time and it has fallen. And now the Babylonians are steadily becoming more powerful and they will soon become the world dominant power. And so there will be an exchange of that power all a while the Israelites are under captivity and they are continuing to make their lives more like the people who are holding them captive than being people of God. So in this time, you would have seen um, prostitution actively happening in the temples, children being sacrificed, and then there would be a lot of political unrest and significant chaos. And I would say that we could use some of those words to describe right now. (laughs) Political unrest, chaos, just a lot of things about this time are similar to right now. And so we get to see what Habakkuk says to the Lord as he surveys the world around him and sees the destruction and the pain. And what he says to the Lord is either something we have already said or we're just not bold enough to bring to the Lord yet. So in verses two through four, he says, "'How long, Lord, must I call for help, "'but you do not listen? "'Or cry out to you violence, but you do not save? "'Why do you make me look at injustice? "'Why do you tolerate wrongdoing? "'Destruction and violence are before me. "'There is strife and conflict abounds. "'Therefore the law is paralyzed "'and justice never prevails. "'The wicked hem in the righteousness.'" so that justice is perverted. So our first step in the communication and our relationship with God is to tell. We need to tell God what we are feeling and what is going on in our lives. And we need to bring to the Lord the hard questions, the doubts, and the anger that we feel when we see the world around us. Because if we don't tell the Lord but we continually are surrounded and are constantly processing what is happening on our own. Our relationship with God is going to suffer and our own mental health and ability to continue on is going to suffer. When we can't bring an open and honest question, thought, doubt to the Lord. So I've noticed this and this has hit even more home with my two-year-old son. He has started telling us when he is frustrated, which is hysterical, but it usually takes him a while to get to the point where he can tell us he is frustrated. And we watch it destroy his day or the hour of time that he is angry. You will watch him cry and break down and throw things and try and fix things on his own and roll on the ground and just make a mess. And then finally, he will come up to one of us and he'll say, mama, I'm so frustrated. (laughs) Yeah, no, duh. (laughs) I, we speak that way to him, (laughs) but, And it's amazing because I have realized that is me with the Lord a lot. When things in my life are chaotic, when there is unrest, when I feel doubts and anger, I would much rather just hold it in and let it sabotage my life than to actually bring it to God. Because we don't want God, we don't want other people 
to see something that is messy and broken when instead we could present a cleanly, a clean package of, yeah, we've got it all together, we're fine. But when we are available and open and are willing to just tell the Lord how we're feeling, then he can actually help. Because I can't help my son until he's decided it's time for me to help. And that is the same for us as adults. We have to get to a point where we can say, I need help. I am confused and I'm really angry. And this is what I need to tell you. This is what I have to say. So telling the Lord is our first step in this communication. The second is then listening. In the second, so how the book is laid out, and I would highly suggest you reading it all. I'm just picking and choosing little pieces, but it's only three chapters. So the first chapter is his complaints to the Lord, a whole chapter of that. The second chapter is going to be the Lord's response. But what's really cool is the first verse of the second chapter, he says to the Lord, I will stand at my watch my watch, and station myself on the ramparts. I will look to see what he will say to me and what answer I am to give to this complaint. So now that he's told the Lord, he has finally opened up and asked the questions that we all want to ask the Lord sometimes. Why would you do this? What is going on? Why would you leave me? He doesn't just continue on with his life. He then stops and he listens. So the second part of our communication is listening and actually listening. And he describes here how he is going to listen. He is saying that I am going to go to the watchtower, which in those times would have been where someone is looking over the city high above. So I'm going to the watchtower and then I'm going to wait to listen to the response. He is not saying, oh, and I really hope that the Lord responds because I don't know, he might not. He is expectant that the Lord will answer his questions and give him a response. And so he is able to separate himself and go to a place where he can focus. And I know for me, that's probably the hardest step in listening, is getting to a place physically and mentally where I am actually ready to listen and focus. Because I think so often I just want to check it off my list. Like I had time with the Lord. I told him what was going on. I continued on with my day. Instead, I told the Lord what was going on. And now I am expectantly waiting for his response. Because I know I can trust that the Lord will respond. And he does. And he, there is a whole chapter of how he's going to respond. And what he's going to say is very interesting because it's hopeful. He tells him, I am going to bring justice to the people. I am going to make this right. But he never tells him when. He never really says how long they are going to have to wait. He just says it will happen at some point. And so now Habakkuk has heard the Lord's response, but it's maybe not what he expected. It's not immediate. He is going to have to wait. And now it's his turn to respond to that. And I think 
Each step is a step more than I tend to normally take. I may finally tell the Lord. I may decide to listen, but then do I actually think through what my response is? And so we're going to look at the end of chapter three. He gives, the whole of chapter three is a poem that he writes in response to the hope and the joy of, the, of what the Lord has told him. But the most important verses, I would say, are the final three. And they are chapter 3, 16 through 18. And it says, or 16 through 19, Though the fig tree does not bud, and there are no grapes on the vines, though the olive crops fail, and the fields produce no food, though there is no sheep in the pen, and no cattle in the stalls, yet I will rejoice in the Lord, I will be joyful in God my Savior. The sovereign Lord is my strength. He makes my feet like the feet of deer. He enables me to tread on the heights. And so in this response that he gives, we see that he's going to react and respond to the Lord in three different ways. And those, the first ones are to rejoice and be joyful. And even though the Lord gives him a response that might not be what he expected, might not be the timeline that he truly wanted, he is still going to choose to rejoice and be joyful in the Lord. And that is because he knows that the Lord will save. And one of the cool things about where we are now in the timeline of the Old Testament and the New Testament is that we get to live in a world where we know that Jesus already saves. He already did it. And so now we get to be joyful and we get to rejoice in the fact that we know salvation has already come. That we have seen that through Jesus' life, death, and resurrection, that salvation is here and available for us. And so now we get to look back on that and be joyful and rejoice in that when we see chaos and struggle around us instead of just hoping that it will come. And we also get to live in the hope that Jesus is going to return again. So we get to be right in the sweet spot of knowing God has fulfilled his promises and knowing there's still more promises to come. And so we... So he responds first in rejoicing and then being joyful that he has a savior in the Lord. And then the third thing he does in response is he is strengthened by God. And he specifically says, I'm going to be strengthened in God because I know he is going to make my feet like the deer of the, that can tread along the high places. And a couple months ago, if some of you were in here or attend Faith Chapel on the weekends, we had a guest speaker named Brad Gray come, and he did a conference beforehand um, that some of the staff attended, and he was talking about the importance of context when reading biblical scriptures. And he talked about how context can be found in a lot of different medias, and one of those is visuals. So in this verse particularly, he talks about being able to see the visual of what it means to be one of the deer that is treading along the high places is specifically in the Middle Eastern region. So I have found a great video because it has my favorite person, David Attenborough, to explain what's going on. So please watch the deer in the high places in the Middle East. I just wish 
that David Attenborough could narrate my life. That would be the most amazing thing. When I was in college, I lived in a house over the summer with a, three of my sorority sisters and then just one random guy. It was a very weird situation that we found ourselves in. But he, his favorite thing to do was to just watch DVDs on repeat over and over and over and over all night, all day, until he'd fall asleep. And then you could just hear the, like, title track music going constantly all night long. But he got on a really big Planet Earth kick. And so we watched all the Planet Earths on repeat for, like, two weeks straight. And to wake up at 3 a.m. and hear David Attenborough, you're like, I'm safe. And I'm home. Because we didn't have locks on our house, so it was really a calming presence. <laughs> oh, gosh. College is fun, guys. You're in a great time. <laughs> so that is a really great example and um, of just what they were looking at. So, like, when we hear that verse of he is going to make your feet like the deer of the the feet of the deer who can tread along the high places that is what he's referring to that just like those deer's feet have been made and formed that they can survive on rocks like that god has created us and in him we find the strength to become adaptable and resilient because people have the ability to be resilient if it is found and rooted in the Lord. And I think a lot of us can, even if they didn't think about it this way, know and have experienced people who show incredible resilience that is found in the Lord. And I'm sure you guys are kind of thinking of some examples. One example that I think of when I think of this resiliency is, um, a couple that is really good friends with my parents, and they I grew up, they were like another aunt and uncle to me. Um, and six years ago, so their names are Karen and Bob, the perfect name for your friends, your parents' friend, Karen and Bob, it's classic. Um, so around six years ago, Karen was diagnosed with bone cancer and faced long battles with surgeries, stem cell treatments, bone marrow transplants, and the effects of medication. And the whole time that she was going through this, she was actively rejoicing and praising the Lord. But what I found most amazing was her husband's posts on Facebook, which rarely do you say posts on Facebook are amazing. <laughs> but what he would write as he was requesting prayer for his wife, as he was updating friends and family on her medical journey, were just some of the most impactful examples of resiliency that I have seen based in the Lord. In one of the posts he wrote, we know that all of this is in God's hand and that he will, through time, bring care and relief from all of this. I love that idea of through time that he's not expecting it tomorrow. He knows that the Lord has a time and that that is in his hands. He then says, the day before she passes away, Karen will soon be home with our Lord and Savior. She has fought the good fight and now is finishing the race. Our God is an awesome God and he holds us in the palm of his hands. And then finally, um, after she had passed away this Easter, so she passed away last year in August, this Easter, he's celebrating his first Easter 
in the midst of COVID, so just a crazy time in general in Portland is where he is where I grew up and where he lives. And the first Easter without his wife. And what he says is, there is an emptiness as I miss my wife, Karen, and her wonderful cinnamon rolls and her love for our family and her love for Jesus. We miss not, be, we miss not getting to be in the church with our church family. We miss gathering with our families to celebrate the holiest of days. This emptiness is evident in the empty tomb where Jesus Christ rose from the dead to provide a place for all believers in heaven. The emptiness is truly an opportunity for us to believe in the message of hope. Hope that all will have the opportunity to and take, to take our Lord and Savior as their spiritual leader, not now during the time of darkness throughout our world, but for the future of their earthly lives. And I tell this story not just to make us all sad, but because of the example that he set and I got to witness as I read those posts. And I looked back through them today in my office and was weeping, but just how I am sure he had moments that he needed to settle with the Lord. How could this be happening? How could you let this happen to my wife? And I think we all have situations in our lives or we know people or we know moments that make us feel like that. God, how could you let this happen? And the best thing we can do in those situations is to make sure that we keep talking to him because isolation and fear are the number one tools that the enemy wants to use against you. He wants you to feel that. But the Lord is saying, keep talking to me, even if it's messy, even if it's angry, even if you are just so mad at me right now, just keep talking because I want to answer you. I want you to listen and I have a plan and I have hope for you. And then we get to respond in joy because the Lord saves and we know he saves. We can see in Jesus's life and in his death and in his resurrection that the Lord saves and it's not over for us. And so we get to, in all the midst of all the heartache, all of the pain that we see, we can focus on that. And that doesn't mean that we get to ignore society and we don't get to contribute and we don't get to help out and we just get to think, I'm just focused on the Lord and it doesn't matter what else is going on in the world because God doesn't want us to be absent from the world and the place he put you in right now but he wants you to be strengthened in him to be able to go out and face it. He wants to give you feet that are adaptable for the heights we are going to face because who knows what is going to happen next? Who knows what's going to happen 20 years down the road? But if we find our strength in the Lord, he will be able to strengthen, grow, and adapt us so that we are ready. And that comes through healthy relationship and communication with him. So will you guys pray with me? God, we just thank you so much for this group here tonight. And we know that 
whether it's just what's going on in the world today or something personal that's happening in their lives, that we have all gone through heights and struggles and will continue to go through them, Lord. And so, God, we just pray that we would be able to communicate with you, that we would not let fear or isolation be what stops us from hearing the truths and the salvation that you bring. Lord, you are a God of hope, and you want to share that with us if we are willing to listen. So Lord, give us ears to hear, and give us just a willingness to act and respond when we do hear that there is hope in you, and now we get to respond in rejoicing, in joyful living, and getting to be strengthened for the day ahead. Because it may not be easy, and there may be a lot of things that are going to continue going on, but Lord, we can be strengthened in you. In your name, amen.